Welcome to Invoking Witchcraft, the podcast where the sacred and profane come out to play. So call the quarters and set the round. It's time for another episode. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of Invoking Witchcraft. I am your co-host, J. Allen Cross. I'm here, of course, with... Britain, also known as Archaic Honey on the Instagrams and on the TikToks, but there's a dot between Archaic and Honey on the TikToks. I've been all about that TikTok life lately, so come follow me. TikTok is where it's at right now, but I think you're doing TikTok right by completely avoiding witch talk. I'm oh, slowly yeah. moving mine away from witch talk and now it's just all thirst traps so right right yeah don't do witch talk i occasionally will share something because it sometimes something will pop up from witch talk on my for you page and i'll be like okay i'll like one person was just like i keep spilling things and dropping stuff and I went to lotion my hand, but the nozzle was pointed at the wall. It kept squirting all just bad things happening to them. I know that makes no sense. (laughs) Um, And, um, and so I'll chime in and be like, Hey, yeah, just do a quick little stitch them and do a quick little cleansing. I'll do stuff like that, but I don't like engage with witch talk. Little, little witchy things. Right. Cause I'll get hexed. Somebody will put me in a jar. (laughs) Someone will put you in a jar. So many jars. Just, Oh God. Oh, I can't even. No. Right. TikTok is where witchcraft went to die. Um, mm-hmm. What I love following on TikTok is uh, romance novelists. Oh. They are a hilarious group of people. That and like nurses. I do enjoy a good nurse TikTok. I also mm-hmm. like the doctor guy. There's this guy who's a doctor. I don't know his username, but if you see doctor TikToks, like it's him probably. Um, he's awesome and hilarious. I love that. I love that. I like finding weird things too, just like a giant tortoise or like whatever. Yeah. Or like a giant frog that it was like this giant frog that was like the size of a Jack Russell Terrier. Like a banana. Something like that. But everybody, there was like a huge controversy. Everyone was like, it's photoshopped. Right. Because it's like, (laughs) they are pretty big, but they're not like that big. But I was like, uh, but don't crush my dreams of having a giant I know, that's frog. The, right, right. I know. I was like, he he looks really nice to touch. Right? I was like, that that job, that frog would sell me potions in the woods. Right, exactly. Yeah, and and you'd spells. hang out and yeah. stuff. Yeah, for Absolutely. sure. Mm-hmm. So yeah. yeah, so find you a frog that will, that knows spells, that knows magic. Um, and also we were talking before this, something that I think is very important, um, that Britain is watching the Kardashians as a true crime, uh, scenario. Yes. From the and perspective think, of like true crime, it's morbid to me to watch these people with such extravagance and so, so much ink, like money, like in it. So I'm just like, just wow. mind boggling amounts of money. The wealth is just, it's insane. Well, and shit like, you know, whether it's the Kardashians or it's like Jeff Bezos or whatever it is, it's like, I I guess it's simply because I grew up just broke as shit. Right. That not a lot of money is a lot of money to me. So I can't imagine living a life where I would need to find things to do with my money so bad that I'd be buying custom planes. 
Right. Like, or, no, or flying across LA to go to Target. Right. Why, why do we need to fly to do that? Like, I mean, sure. Like maybe a, maybe a car service. That would be great. I would love to have somebody else drive me around, but like to fly. I no, no, <laughs> I just, I can't. Plus, I mean, I hate flying. Maybe I would like it better if I could skip the airport, but I just, no. And I just think of all the things that that money could do as far as like community aid and shit. But I'm like, I I could never imagine me needing my own custom plane. Exactly. (laughs) For sure. Um, Yeah. And there was like one episode where, where Chris and Kylie, I believe when um, they wanted to have a, I'm using bunny ears here, air quotes, like a, a normal person's day. And they decided to go to the car wash and go grocery shopping together and Chris is like, they finish their shopping and she's like putting her card into the the machine to pay. She's like, oh my God, who wants, do you want to do it, Kylie? Like, and it, she's like, I haven't done this in two years. It's like, what? Oh my God. <laughs> like, oh my God. I know y'all, this is a witchcraft <laughs> podcast, but like, I have just not been feeling well and I have been like... It's a morbid fascination to watch these people. I also did want to catch Benny drama on on yes. the Kardashians because I love him. Uh, it's so problematic in so many ways. I'm going to go have I a normal know. person day and I've, I've never. Oh, God. Yeah. Oh, God. <laughs> this is it's a world. So it's a strange world out there, y'all. And just just survive. Get yourself a plane, apparently. Yeah. Um, Because that's the thing we do now. So Mm -hmm. in other news, uh, Britain, you've had a little bit of an adjustment with your book release. I sure have. So I am due to give birth to a baby um, soon. And it was going to um, basically the book release was timed during my postpartum period. Mm-hmm. And so I discussed that with my publisher. And so we rearranged some things and we decided to release the book a month early, um, which I'm super excited about because like that feels like a very Aries vibe kind of thing. Like, let's do it just now, like even before now, like <laughs> and all that. So uh, the book is being published. Earth Witch, um, Finding Magic in the Land is the title. It is being published December 15th. But it is currently available for pre-order on Amazon. And I know a lot of folks will be like, oh, but I don't want to buy from Amazon. No, 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 no. That is the best way you can support authors. Yes. Is unfortunately to buy through Amazon. Because the ranking system that they have on Amazon, uh, uh, other like independent bookstores and whatnot, they will use that ranking to determine their purchase amounts. Mm-hmm. So if they see that a book is very successful, they're like, okay, we're really going to stock this book. Yes. And so it's really helpful for pre-orders to happen on Amazon. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And if Amazon too sees that there are a whole lot of pre-orders coming in, Amazon themselves will stock their warehouse with more of them as well, which means more books that are kind of purchased from by Amazon to be sold. So there's a lot of stuff that really helps by doing the pre-orders through Amazon, if you can. Um, and there's this big myth that it's, well, I mean, it's not a myth, but it's not for all authors. So if you have self-published a book, 
it is better to buy it directly from the author themselves. Mm-hmm. However, if you have a traditional publisher like Britain and I do, it's not better to buy from us because we have to buy a copy of our own book and then sell it to you, yep. which means that we make less money and it's a big hassle for us to do that. So right. if you buy through something like Amazon, that's actually going to be way more helpful than a lot of people wait because they think that they need to buy it directly from us. And that actually ends up hurting us more than it does helping us. Mm-hmm. So we know that Amazon is a big monster. Um, can they get it through? Can they pre-order it through Herofent? They can. Uh, yeah. And I will put those links in the show notes of this show, but you can also just go to tinyurl.com backslash earthwitchbook. That's the mm-hmm. link to my book. Um, if you just want to hop over there real quick, if you want to get in on the pre-order. Um, but there is, it's available on Barnes & Noble through Hierophant. Uh, there's one other source that I forgot what it's called. And in, of course, Amazon. Uh, Did they put it up on bookshop.org? Maybe. Check out there. I do like bookshop.org because it is like an online place where you can buy it. But um, part of the proceeds does go to help small bookstores. Oh, I love that. Um, so, yeah. So, like, don't be afraid to pre-order from Amazon. It actually does help us as small authors to get those pre-order numbers in. And your pre-order numbers as well is a metric that they use to decide whether or not they want to publish you again. Right. So if you have really low pre-order numbers, they're like, meh, maybe. Um, but if you have really good pre-order numbers, then you're kind of guaranteed another book. Um, mm-hmm. So definitely, definitely think about doing that. And, of course... Make sure to leave a review, especially a good review. Five stars. Put some good words in there. That's really, really helpful, especially at the beginning. Because like (laughs) in the beginning, when you have like, you know, like five or six reviews, you can have like five glowing five star reviews. And then like one person who's like, this book wasn't in German and I hated it. And like, (laughs) it will completely tank your overall rating. (laughs) Right. Right. Or, or the book arrived with a dent. So this is awful. Right. The author should be punished. Um, (laughs) Yeah. Right. Yeah. So yeah. uh, Reviews. I'm still, I'm still dealing with people who read my book and are disappointed that American Brujeria, modern Mexican American folk magic is not about ancient indigenous magic. Um, I I don't. <laughs> I'm like, I'm going to have you read the title one more time. Sweetie. One more <laughs> time. <laughs> it, it's literally on the cover. Right. Exactly. People are like, um, I felt like this was colonized. And I'm like, um, look at it. Just look at it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh yes the world of publishing is, is, is it's a wild ride if you're an author um, it is and you learn about reading comprehension from the world and it's not it's not great right now especially in the united states we need we need to stop cutting funding for education we do the cool thing about this whole book release stuff though is that i'm obsessively looking at amazon now for book mm-hmm. for the book so i'm looking at like the witchcraft category in the new release category for witchcraft and spirituality. And I am embarrassed to tell you how many books are in my Amazon shopping cart right now. I am about to go on a crazy book buying binge because there's so many cool titles out right now. And I have not purchased very many witchcraft related books in a long time. And I feel kind of behind the times. (laughs) There's some neat stuff coming out. Yeah, there's some really neat stuff going on right now. And stuff. So I'm really interested in the um, 
what I, I seem to see, be seeing a lot of is like home centered witchcraft, mm. like hearth and kitchen witchcraft and stuff. And there's witchcraft. There's one person who went to Le Cordon Bleu, which is a like elite culinary fancy, school fancy. who did a kitchen witchcraft book. And I'm like, oh, yes, that's right up my alley. That sounds great. Yeah, very we cool. We should see about having them on the mm-hmm. show because that's big Taurus energy. It, yes. Blue kitchen witchery. I love that. I like Cancer Taurus. I yeah, I know people I need to get this book for immediately. Yeah. Yeah. Very interesting. Yeah, just go to Amazon and like peruse the witchcraft new release section it's really it's really fascinating what's currently being released and and what's out there it's just kind of because a lot of these books kind of fly under the radar if they don't have a social media platform they do fly under the radar yep so it's really neat and it's awesome to be able to support these new authors who are publishing stuff that's really cool absolutely and make sure as well to um google the author just just cursory i mean i sometimes people are like like you should like completely cyber stock this author and figure out everything they've ever done before you purchase that and i'm like okay that's that's a little much it's a little much but there are especially in like the hoodoo world right now there are a lot of books that are suddenly coming out and by people you've never heard about and they don't seem to really exist and i'm like curious interesting I wonder who is behind this drawing of a person that you have as your profile photo on Amazon. Um, you never know. You never know. Things are a little sketch sometimes these days. So especially sure there's an actual human. <laughs> right. Especially with the re- recent development of algorithm books. Algorithm books. And yeah. I think what we're seeing is like ghostwriters. Because now there's kind of this movement, of course, as it kind of should be, to kind of be like, okay, don't buy books about magic from certain cultures unless those people are actually from those cultures which like i agree with but i think that's kind of just started having people go like oh well we'll just put you under an ethnic sounding pen name and just not show your face and it's so i i I worry sometimes I'm, i'm not pointing any fingers i'm just saying that i worry occasionally when i see stuff like that Mm -hmm, Um, mm -hmm. so i don't know just make sure that there's an actual human that is attached to that or that the person who's writing it is who they say they are. Right. Do a little research for sure. For sure. That's the thing. So before we move on, can you tell people just what your book is about? Right. (laughs) So I wrote it in 2021. And um, then we went, you know, I was like, just immersed in this book and um, felt like I knew every page by heart. And then we went through the editing process and then, you know, went a few months and with my ADHD brain, a lot of it kind of like, like, what did I even write about? (laughs) So I've been trying to, or not trying, but I've been refreshing myself about what the book is about. And essentially at, at its core, it is calling people back to recognition of the animistic roots of witchcraft and to, to kind of critically examine how capitalism has, has crept into witchcraft nowadays in how to pivot and reorient yourself towards being in service to the land. Mm. That's really what the core of the book is about. Um, and so there's like exercises, um, there's suggestions on things like minimizing, like even just your screen time 
You know what I mean? And like, and prioritizing and like how we prioritize our time and how we can get lost in the fantasy of what witchcraft might seem like on Mm. social media. Cause that's where, I mean, we all are for the most part Mm. and kind of coming back to reality, you know, cause you know, we see all these influencer witches nowadays with these incredibly curated spaces and essentially like cosplaying (laughs) no offense like that's what i see a lot of is like cosplaying witchcraft and it's it's like no man it's messy it's not always pretty um and it's it's right out your front door yeah it's not not always practiced staged for the gram right or the tiktok yep or the youtube or the youtube (laughs) absolutely so real that real shit right yeah so that's really what the gist of the book is about and i just hope it's kind of a breath of fresh air um for sure it will be what what we mostly see nowadays Mm -hmm. you know well people don't realize that those of us who started doing this you know 20 30 years ago the landscape and the Everything has changed so dramatically. Mm-hmm. The way witchcraft is done, the way that we talk about it, the way that we um, find community, all of that stuff is completely different than it was, say, in the late 90s. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, when I was growing up, you didn't tell people you were a witch. It was like a secret. And you kind of stumbled across each other and you would know based off of just like sense whether or not somebody was also a practitioner, like it was all underground mm-hmm. and now it's like everybody <laughs> like, right. and, it's, and it's all on social media and it's like, and it's what? on TV. I mean, yeah. like, like I was watching the Kardashians last night and they're all like, I don't know. They were like having dinner dinner was done. And then they all stood up and the moon was full and they all stood up and like did a little like thing with the moon. And I was like, what? <laughs> you know um it's crazy um which is i mean sure awesome um but but it just gets it gets watered down Uh um it gets whitewashed it gets all kinds of stuffed yeah with witchcraft and so hopefully when you introduce it to capitalism and social media you have to fundamentally change witchcraft to make it marketable Right. In order for it to mm -hmm. give you something like engagement or money or, you know, things like that, instead of just letting it be what it is, you have to change it. Mm -hmm. And so like a long time ago, like there wasn't necessarily things like, oh, witchcraft is safe or like, oh, yeah, anybody can do this. Like there, there wasn't all of that stuff is so different now. Mm -hmm. So it's like, it's just enough what it is, but Yeah, I'm really excited for the book. I'm excited to see what what folks think about it, but I'm going to do my best because the the advice that I keep being given is don't read reviews. Don't do it. Don't do it. So I'm not going to do it. Um, I'm going to try. I'm going to try. And don't even read like the good reviews. Like, and I know that seems stupid, but like the good reviews themselves will even, they'll be like, oh my God, I love this book. I absolutely love this book. Didn't like this part, but I love the rest of this book. And you're going to be like, wait, what? What? And then you're just, that's going to be the only thing that you focus on forever. I know. I know. Cause we magnify the negative and we don't, we don't, um, you know, expand upon the positive very often because we're, we're humans. 
We're human beings. And believe me, people will find you and tell you what they thought of your book regardless. Right. And that's what I'm like, man, the timing of this, I'm going to be like, I'm going to have a fresh baby in my arms during the time where people are going to like have read it and digested it and then start talking about it. Mm-hmm. Like, please be nice to me. Right. <laughs> I'm going to be very fragile. Right. Well, and the other thing too is I don't think people realize that releasing a book is like getting a tattoo. Like it's done. Yeah. It's out. Like, so when people come to you and they're like, well, I felt like you could have done this differently. It's like, okay, let me just get all these thousands of copies that are out there and bring them back in, reprint them real quick and send them all out. And it's like, no, you can't do that. So like it's out there. So I don't know what you want me to do. <laughs> right, exactly. And like a lot of people don't think about that. They think that what is in the book is exactly what you wrote. It's like, no, I had an mm-hmm. editor. Yeah. I have an editor who went in and po- polished that for me. Mm-hmm. So it's like, no, not it for like word for word. It is not a hundred percent like my writing. There is an editing. Right. Pro- there's an editing process with every, with most books, unless you're independently published. Absolutely. Absolutely. To, to clean things up. So, so, and, um, and working with an editor is challenging, um, but really, really cool because it does help improve your writing. Right. Mm-hmm. Well, and there are things too, that I feel like with modern social climate that you can and can't say mm-hmm. in books, even if it's something that's important to kind of talk about or something that is actually happening in your practice. So it's like, you know, I don't have an example on top of my head, but it's it's like I find myself being like, okay, I have to figure out an alternative to get them or to tell them to use because, you know, they'll be canceled if I tell them to use something else that I use because it's, you know, it's whatever's happening right now in the social circle, you know. Right, right, right. That it's cultural appropriation. You can use this charm or that charm, but you can't use this one or it's from a different culture, whatever. It's like, I understand why those things are happening, but sometimes you have to augment what gets put in the books that's a little bit more acceptable for, you know, mass consumption, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. No, it totally makes sense. Yeah. Um, so if you are an aspiring occult author out there, good luck. Good luck <laughs> I don't mean that facetiously. I mean that really sincerely. It's, it's, I mean fu- it it's, a, but. okay. <laughs> it's a labor of love and um, you really put your heart out there, especially in this realm of publishing. I feel like, especially mm-hmm. with like sharing aspects of your personal practice and what you've learned. Yeah. Um, you're sharing a piece of your heart. Well, and what I realized too, and like, again, no offense to anybody out there, but the witchcraft community is extremely judgy. And very, very, very. I have actually spent time in other online communities recently, and it has been wildly refreshing that other pe- other communities actually talk about their topics of interest and support one another and don't just act like cops to each other all day, every day. Like, it's amazing. And so I... It's... I think extra difficult to put something out into the occult community because it's like bringing something that you've spent a year on to like a piranha pond. (laughs) Right. Because there's so many of these like white male masculine Mm -hmm. armchair, armchair academics who want to, who want to shred your work apart. Yeah. It's like, is nuance, Mm -hmm. nuance a part of your, (laughs) (laughs) And of course you have like, I had, oh God, there's been so many. I 
I have all these author stories from friends who had people who, um, like you end up on like author blacklists or things like that. Or so my friend Anwen in her first book had somebody dedicate an entire page to their website about hating um, her first book. And in it, they talk about, oh, she talks about smudging. And that is not like a Celtic water magic practice and like get super upset about it. And Anwen's like, oh my God, like, did I, did I talk about smudging? And so she like does a word search for smudging in her manuscript real quick to see like, oh God, did I accidentally add something like that in? Like what, where, what are they even talking about? No, she had a section where she's like, yeah, like in, in Celtic magic, they do this kind of smoke cleansing, which is like similar to like smudging or something like that. And that's like literally all she said. Right. <laughs> and it's up on like an author blacklist and like eight pages and things like that. So it's, don't worry. It's coming for you too. It's fine. You're going to be great. <laughs> yeah. I'll do, I'll do great. It'll be fine. You'll do great. Yeah. All righty. We should maybe talk about our actual. Yeah. Author. The actual episode here. Um, so hey y'all. Welcome to Invoking Witchcraft. What are we talking about today? We are continuing on elemental magic. We have elemental kind of spells and elemental spell work today. So last time we kind of talked about the elements, we talked a little bit about elemental magic, but we're going to get a little bit more into the specifics here. Um, and I think where it comes to elemental magic, one of the first places... Though I'm not sure these days what the entry to witchcraft looks like, but in back in back in my day when everything was Wicca, <laughs> the, your entrance to witchcraft was learning to um, cast a circle because everything was done inside of a circle. Um, I I still sometimes use a circle depending on what it is that I'm doing, but like circle casting was witchcraft 101. It when was. I was growing up. It really was. And part of that was utilizing the the elements. Do, do you remember how you were first taught to do a circle? Yes, it was elementally um, centered, but it was also the, the what I was reading at the time would have you before you cast the circle, you met with the cardinal directions. Mm-hmm. to see how they showed up for you. So they would, they would then be represented by like a spirit or an animal or something like that. And uh, uh, also with the element included. Mm-hmm. Um, that's what I was taught. Yeah. Um, and what I gravitated to towards. Um, so along with like the spirit, there would be like a spirit representation of that direction and that element because mm-hmm. the direction is also mm-hmm. extremely important to me. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Absolutely. Because of like sun rises in the east, sets in the west, you know, that kind of thing. It's a, yeah. Those are really important movements, uh, solar movements for me. So, um, but yes, I did associate uh, and I represented the elements uh, at the four corners. Ah, this is making me feel so nostalgic. Right. Uh, it's like the 90s again. I'm talking on my clear phone. It's great. Um, yeah. So that's interesting too that you bring up the cardinal directions because I think that's really important to the topic of circle casting and also to elemental magic. So each of the cardinal directions corresponds to an element. So the way I was taught, and there are there's some wiggle room on this. I think depending on what tradition or, or lineage you're working in, but the way I was always taught is, is north is earth. South is fire, 
and then east is air and west is water is how I was always taught. Yeah. So there is, yeah. And there's always a mix up and I always felt weird about it because sometimes North gets interchanged with earth and air. Some people view North as like earthly and stuff. Um, but, um, or air. Yeah. So I ran with North as air. I think that's what, no, I think I did East as air North. Yeah. North as Earth. I think that's what I did. I don't really cast circles anymore mm-hmm. or anything like that. Um, but there was like a from some of the stuff that I was reading back in the day, there was like a strong association with North uh, in the North element, be, like being um, it connected to death and, yes. and Earth being a part of that. Because when you think about Earth and the soil, there's so I mean, it's death happening. You know, the mycelium. I mean, there's a lot of life in there, too, but like it's where things go to decompose. Interesting. I believe I have to look this up. I believe in Aztec mythos, Miklan, the the land of the dead, I believe is centered in the north. I have to Mm -hmm. look that up. I believe in a lot of traditions, this association with death in the North is, um, is common. Um, but then again, there's also the element of error. I can see being very valid with the associate association of North because, um, you know, as the seasons shift here in the Northern hemisphere, it's air currents that are pushed down from the North and the, those northerly winds that push down south towards fire uh, dramatically change our landscape. And it's like oh. it's air movement pushing. You know, what I, does that make sense? That does. And that's what that I does. think of. So I think that there's personally, I don't know, maybe there's some flexibility there, depending on the tradition you work in or just how it shows up for you. Absolutely. So I think that we shouldn't, you know, panic when it comes to which one if we get it mixed up I, I i think it's it's okay and i think um yeah i i think we just have patience with ourselves and understanding mm-hmm. the comparisons as well because sometimes you know you come across another person who was taught completely differently and that doesn't always necessarily mean that it's wrong i mean i have i have come across people who have taught, been taught some wild shit where i'm like no no, stop. <laughs> but mm-hmm. uh, but there, there are differences between traditions and paths and things like that that I think are important to let be some of the time. Right. Know? Right. And like for me, in my current location, directly west of me is the Pacific Ocean. Right. I was Direct, that too. Directly east of me is like the entirety of the fucking... America, <laughs> like it's Earth, <laughs> and then North. To me, it's like we just experience air currents coming down from the North, and the South is like always fire to me. Mm-hmm. South yeah. South is fire, never changes. Yeah, yeah, and I think one of my major rules for witchcraft is as long as it makes sense in your brain for a good mm-hmm. reason, you can run with it. Right. So. Right. 
Because it's pers- it's personal practice. There's no rules. I mean, there are some to a degree. There are some rules. I know. I like caught myself. I was like, oh no, Jay's gonna be like, mm, there are some rules. <laughs> there are some rules. You right. can get your ass possessed, but that's fine. Uh huh. Um. But yeah, and as long as we, and I think too, it's important that we have comfort and confidence in knowing that those things are our personal things. So I, I think sometimes when we get into groups and someone's like, well, you know, North is fire. And they don't say like, well, I understand that, you know, it's traditionally this way, but for me and in my practice, what I utilize is versus this is the way that it is, you know? Mm-hmm, and I think that's mm-hmm. when we end up kind of having a lot of fights with one another is when we forget to be like, oh yes, no, I, I definitely think that, that the other way is a thing, but for me, how I do it is, is this way versus this is how it is, you know? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So for sure. All right. All right. So yeah. So we have the, the circle casting with the elements, which I think, especially when you're new, I tend to tell people to do the circle casting just because it helps kind of create that container. It's a safety thing, you know, like it just kind of gives you a little bit of a safe space to do the circle casting. Um, but you're right. I think, People were taught to do it a few ways. So you have the, you go and you meet the directions and the elements um, of your round or of your circle. And then, so I was taught to do it a few different ways. So the first one would be that like, you would go like, say, starting at like the north or sometimes people tell you to start at the east, but you start at one of them, you greet it, and then you walk all the way around until you read the next, the next one. Mm-hmm. and then you greet that and then you walk all the way around until you get to the next one again and then you do that until you do all of them mm-hmm. um, or like you put a representation of each one in the four yep. and then you take that around so for instance you go to the south and be like you know hail fire come and join us here and help us build our circle and then you take the candle that's sitting there and you walk all around and then you put it back again before you move on to the next one and it's like maybe it's a bowl of water in the west and then you take the water around and you, you sprinkle it and then you put it back where it was um, mm-hmm. before you move on to the next one. So there's a lot of different ways to build your circle utilizing the elements. And I think it's the other reason why I tell new people as well to do it is because when the circle is completed, you can feel it. Mm-hmm. And I remember one time, so it was in college with my very first coven. I found two other people in my chemistry lab that we all kind of ended up at the same table. And I was, and we were both like, Oh, we witches. We just mm-hmm. knew. Mm-hmm. And like, there was me and this girl. Uh, and then the other girl that was with us there wasn't, but we were like, Oh no, but you are, you just don't know. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and so we invited her to join us. We did the circle. And as soon as it was done, we all broke out in, in goosebumps. And this girl who we had brought in hadn't been prepared. And she just starts sobbing and we're like, Oh my God, are oh. you okay? And she's like, I just I've never felt anything like that before. And it feels like home. Oh. And we were like, oh, baby girl, baby girl, we told you. <laughs> Who's a witch? <laughs> like, so you can really feel it. So I, I I, tell people to do the circle. It's a safe thing. You're not trying to change the universe. You're just, you know, creating an area. And, and you can really feel it happen um, when it's completed. So I, I love sharing that with people. That's really wonderful. I love yeah. that. What a great feeling to like, to do that. And then to be like, oh, this feels like home. Oh, 
Right. Precious. Right. And I'm like, we're like, yes, welcome, welcome, welcome. Mm-hmm. So, but then like, so when you have your circle cast, you can invite one or more of the elements to be a part of the spell. So for instance, like you set up your circle and then maybe you're doing something like, um, like a, like a fire of love spell or something. I don't know. I'm just Mm -hmm. making shit up right now. So like you would go down, you would walk to like the South corner of your circle and invite fire to like enter the circle with you Mm -hmm. and be like an influencer or a, a power source or a, or a participant in the magic mm-hmm. um, that way. So you can, you know, build your circle with all four, but then invite different ones in depending on what you're doing. So if you're doing like scrying, you might go to the West and invite water to come in and help you with that. Does that make sense? I, it does. And I like that a lot. Yeah. I love that. Fires of, of love. Get that. It sounds extra spicy. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah, and I love the idea of calling in, like, I don't know. My brain just went to water immediately. I think because of my proximity to the ocean right now. Mm -hmm. And the Pacific Ocean is just so freaking powerful. It really is. Like, I mean, dang. (laughs) Not not an energy to be fucked with lately. Very much not. Mm -hmm. We got them big old sharks over here. Oh, we really do. And yeah, and like up here in the Northwest, this is not an ocean you just casually go swimming in. No. You can die. You have danger ocean. We have a danger ocean. Run away. Run away. Um, so when we're doing our elemental spells, do you... How do you choose which element you may work with? Like, based on your intention, is it just like a vibe or is it like a logical understanding or maybe both? Maybe both, because Mm -hmm. it's like. You know, if I'm calling in, let like let's stay with this love theme. I really like that. Like, let's say you're in a relationship and you want to spice it up. Yeah, you would certainly spice like fire, heat, you know, Mm -hmm. for sure. Um, but maybe you want to bring in, maybe there's just been like some, some, you've been going through a hard time in the relationship and you need a little more stability Mm -hmm. between you two to kind of like, so you both feel secure. Maybe you, you're calling in earth at that point. Mm -hmm. Or like Um, relationship longevity. Right. Yeah. Longevity there. Mm -hmm. Um, or yeah, I think it just like, what do we associate each element with, uh, Mm. personally and like, I think more traditionally as well. So it's like maybe the communication in your relationship really needs to kind of uh, be improved or the channel needs to be opened. So maybe we would call an air or even water, uh, Mm. for compassion and water can open the way, Water mm-hmm. is a insanely powerful force when you really think about what they're capable of doing uh, in river systems and stuff and like busting through stuff, mm-hmm. you know, things. Even so. like little trickles through rocks, like wearing holes through them. Over like, time. Ooh, yeah. that's some powerful magic right there. That's some yeah. like long term slow burn uh-huh. <laughs> shit. Yeah, I love that. Yeah, because like when you go, I went to a river spot recently recently. Where um, whatever the the um, um, 
how the rocks were formed or, or whatever their consistency was, the water had had like etched out all these pockets uh. through the water, these little pockets, these bowls. It's really neat. That's very neat. Mm-hmm. Like that. Yeah. So especially when it comes to like elemental magic, I feel like what our association, our associations are is going to be very important. And like, I'm always against people just making shit up, but like, you know, it, when it comes to elemental magic, if you can make it make sense in your brain, then you should kind of run with it. Mm-hmm. And I like this idea that Britain's talking about, you know, you know, we're doing this love spell, you know, maybe, maybe we want something that's kind of like hot and lusty. Okay. We're going to go with fire, but maybe we want something, um, you know, maybe a little more stable, a little bit more long-term, you know, maybe we're going to go for earth. So kind of however you make sense of it in your brain, then you can bring that forth. So for instance, if we go to like a different one, um, I saw somebody who was doing a money spell utilizing earth and water. And so they took this little glass bowl and they put um, a citrine crystal in the middle and uh, coins around it. And then they filled it with water because water, the like refraction of it makes all the coins look bigger. Oh. And so it's like an amplifier. Oh. And I'm like, that's brilliant. I love that. <laughs> like, I right? love I love that stuff because really what it comes down to is folk magic and witchcraft is an art. Yep. It is a artistic style. Yes. And so what works for you may not work for another person. A person may mm-hmm. have a completely different way of creating a piece of art. They may be a sculptor and you might be a painter. You know what I mean? Like right. different styles of doing things. I love that. I would have, like, I would have never thought of that. Exactly. So, so two different people may have viewed that spell very differently. Like somebody else may have been like, well, in my brain, then the water would dampen the firepower of the citrine. Yeah. Or the water is going to make an excellent conduit for the energy of the citrine to circulate it through the money. Mm-hmm. So it depends on which pathway your brain's picking up on the most a little bit, Mm -hmm. um, because there's so many different ways to think about it and different ways to come at it. So don't be afraid to kind of figure out what makes the most sense for you and, and run with it as far as which ones you're going to choose. Now I will say kind of this next session that we're going into, it is important to understand how they may interact with one another just remember that as long as you know how you want them to or or how you're asking them to interact is going to be helpful. But sometimes different elements will have antagonistic relationships with one another mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, that you have to be prepared for. Similarly, they may have like nurturing relationships with one another that can also affect your spell work too. Mm-hmm. So for instance, you know, maybe we're doing a fire-based spell and then we add in um element of air that may fuel it really beautifully Mm -hmm. it may also fuel it a little too much (laughs) right exactly and then you've got a firestorm right um or similarly i see a lot of people who are like yeah this oil was just kind of a dud that i made or you know the spell just is kind of a dud and i'm like well like what are you using in it and they'll be like oh well i was using this plant that's associated with fire and this plant that's associated with water and I'm like, oh, well, that's why. Like, right. Because you were. And that's not to say that those two can't go together, but they need to be approached in a different way. Or there needs to be enough of them that you can create steam. That's, so like you yeah. need, yeah, you need extra of the fire plant and less of the water plant 
so that it actually does something instead of canceling each other out, you know? Mm-hmm. Yep, exactly. That's what where my mind went was like, the, you want to generate steam because water and fire does work really well together. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. But you got to be careful with it. Yes. And you have to mix it correctly and not and have your proportions right. You know, right. ask me how I know I'm a major fire sign in a relationship with a major water person. And <laughs> we've really been learning a balancing act with each other. Gotta find that Sima. <laughs> we do. Yeah. I gotta get that Sima going. Um, mm-hmm. I like that. I like that. Well, and that's too why I find it's a little difficult when you use the four elements the way we've been talking about it. The um the Chinese five element system mm-hmm. actually is a lot easier to see the um what do they call it? The 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 nurturing and destructive cycles. In it, it's right. a lot easier to see that because it's like, so metal nourishes water, which nourishes earth, which nourishes wood, which nourishes fire, which nourishes metal or something like that. So so it's, it's, a, it's a circle that it goes in, but then it also goes backwards where it's like water um, is destructive to fire, which is destructive to wood, which is destructive to... So it, it go there's like different patterns that it works in that you can follow. That is so helpful. Yeah. It's, it's really nice the way that they've set it up. So like, you know, doing feng shui, it's really important where it's like, okay, if we have like a lot of wood in a section, we might need to tamp it down a little bit. So maybe we'll add um, fire with like red stuff to um, kind of tamp down the intense wood energy in there. Mm -hmm. Or maybe, um, you know, we have a lot of metal, so we'll put like a, a water feature in there because that's going to be nourished by all the metal that's around it, you know, things like that. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I love that. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's helpful. It's really helpful the way that they've, that they've done that. Mm-hmm. So take a look at your elemental associations. Again, it's not always wrong to have things like fire and water together. Just use the old noodle machine. Noodle machine. Love it. Noodle machine. I love it. And remember, too, that you don't always have to combine elements either. Mm -hmm. I think there's something, there's a really special Zen in working with one element at a time. Oh, for sure. And I would say that maybe I would even, I would encourage that. And if you're just starting out or you're really taking a deep dive into elemental magic to do one at a time, They, they do that with herbalism. And plant and plant magic is it's like, oh, you don't want like a, a crazy um, bunch of herbs all at once because you're then you're just gonna be like, well, who who's speaking to me here um, right. to focus on one at a time? Yep. Spend time with them a little bit and then do that before you start doing the combining, because then then you'll be able to combine better and understand it a little bit more. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, now, if we have some that are antagonistic and then some that are like nurturing to one another. Can we combine all four? Is is that a thing that happens? Is it a mistake? Should we run? <laughs> I think it depends on the purpose of the spell or the mm-hmm. thing that we're, we're, we're needing to get done. Yeah. Um, but I think you can find cooperation mm-hmm. in, I don't know. For me, my brain goes back to the circle. 
That's a cooperation of all of the elements working. If if you're working from an elemental perspective with circle casting, um, that they're all working uh, together. Yeah, and there can be harmony found there. So yeah, I don't know. I don't know. What do you think? I agree. Because if if we kind of come back to the idea of the elements themselves, they are allegedly the building blocks for our entire world Mm -hmm. that are working in harmony with one another to create everything that we have around us. Mm -hmm. So they definitely are made to work together. I don't think it's always necessary to throw all of them into the same spell. Right. Um, But I do think that they can work. And and I think the circle is a great example of that because, you know, they are the, the creators of our world in a sense. And so when we're doing something like magic where we're creating something new having them present only makes sense. Um, Somebody too showed me a spell once where they were enchanting an object that they were kind of bringing to life. Um, I can't remember if it was like a charm bag or like a something, but it, it was something that they were essentially bringing life to. And so they put like a candle, a little pile of dirt um, like a little bowl of water and like uh, an incense cone, like around it as the, as the four elements. And that's how they enchanted it where they're like fire to spark the life inside um, earth to give it like body and longevity um, water to give it flexibility, um, you know, and then the air to like breathe into it or something like that, where they, they were, br- they were bringing it to life through the four elements i like I that that was neat that's really beautiful yeah so you yeah. can definitely put them together i like that mm-hmm. yeah something really well-rounded yeah right. and i mean look i i did get married in a magic circle uh-huh. that we set up and let me tell you there was an unfortunate family member that really wasn't invited but decided to show up anyway mm-hmm. and they stayed all the way out of it. <laughs> so never underestimate your magic circle for keeping stuff out. I like that. Those elements will be working for you. <laughs> they will get you. Aw. Something else too. So when we talk about utilizing like elemental magic, it always seems so, um, how do I say it? Like, like projective. Like it's always something that we're like making or creating or, um, but I don't think people often spend time with the elements utilizing them magically, but in, in a more passive way, mm-hmm. if that makes sense. Yeah. So one of the things I was thinking about talking about um, is like elemental divination mm-hmm. where we're not necessarily creating something. We're not making something happen. Um, but it's things like, um, like fire scrying. Right. With like the, the coals in a fire mm-hmm. um, or um, you can do like, uh, like wind scrying or like when, if you can stand in a place, especially like on a hilltop where it's like really windy and the wind's going past your ear, you can mm. do a certain kind of divination there about w- via what you're picking up. Right. Or uh, uh, bird flying formations. Yes. That's another. It's like that. That's very wind connected to me. Yeah. Air. So. Yeah. And then uh, one of my other favorite things to do is to chill out by a creek uh-huh. or a river and just just listen. Oh man, <laughs> I've heard some of the wildest shit from rivers. Songs like I just—it's nuts to me. And it's weird because I don't consider myself a person who's very connected to the element of water. But almost mm. every time I go to a creek or a river or somewhere where water is moving, 
I can hear things. Um, it's just an interesting, interesting place to pick stuff up. That is neat. Mm-hmm. Yes. And see, so that's a way to kind of like, you know, interact with and receive from these elements without it, you know, being a spell or something. Right. Or like um, doing divination. What happens if you're doing divination and you just throw a handful of dirt onto like the sidewalk or something and see what shapes appear in it, you mm. know, like yeah. things yeah. like that. So Right. Yeah. And I would think of bone throwing. Mm-hmm. as something very connected with the element of earth although that it can be it's like its own and then you have i don't know that could it could be i know a lot of practitioners who do read bones in the dirt mm-hmm. specifically they'll draw a circle in the dirt and they'll throw their bones in that circle that makes sense mm-hmm. yeah mm-hmm. Huh. i like that i like that mm-hmm. um and also of course meditative acts with mm-hmm you know, the elements, I like to try and utilize them to recharge. So things like either like doing meditation, either sitting in the dirt or sitting, you know, waist deep in a river or, um, you know, near a fire or something like that. And really kind of like drawing that energy up into you and seeing number one, how does that feel to you? Um, how does that change you? Cause sometimes, you know, we, pull in this energy of, of fire and it's really warm and it's really comforting. But then sometimes we leave there and we're kind of bitchy, um, you know, may, may, maybe we had too much. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, kind of take, taking it in, seeing how you personally metabolize them, mm-hmm. um, what they bring to you that you like, maybe, maybe some things that you don't like, but also inspect those things that you don't like. Cause they may also be trying to tell you something. Right. Right. For sure. So, there's a lot there. Yeah. And like I shared in the first episode, Jason Miller has that elemental meditation Ooh, yeah. uh, where you balance the, the elements in your body. Um, and that's another great way to meditate with the elements. If you don't like, let's say it's the dead of winter and you just don't have access to certain things and you're like locked in your house or whatever your situation may be. That's a great way to connect with the elements through meditation is his uh, meditation or his uh, elemental meditation exercise. I forgot what he calls it, but it is in his book, Sorcerer Secrets. Uh, excellent. Highly recommend. Love that. So yeah, so this has been Elemental Magic, y'all. Go mm-hmm. out there and and commune with the natures. Yeah, get in touch with those elements and have fun with them. Yeah, and most importantly, while you're doing that... Do witchcraft. Do it. Support for this podcast comes from our listeners. If you would like to support Invoking Witchcraft with a one-time donation please go to invokingwitchcraft.com backslash donate. Or if you'd like to become a premium listener, join the coven at invokingwitchcraft.com backslash coven. There you'll get access to our exclusive Facebook group for discussion and connection, as well as access to occasional workshops. We hope to see you there.